Um, I love what Matt said about adventure. Um, and I love the word that Nathan brought about um, rekindling a spirit of adventure. You know, I love adventure. I, I really enjoy adventure. I love all the, the uh, irregularities of it. I love all the challenges of it. I love the sitting in my lounge with my Xbox controller watching the adventure on the screen. <laughs> because that's really easy and that's really tidy and I can turn that off when I'm done or when the kids want me, particularly the one over there wants feeding, I can stop and I can pause it and I can move on. But that's not what uh, our adventure's like with Jesus. That's not what it's like with him. It's an inconvenient adventure, isn't it? It's an adventure that, that kind of doesn't fit in with, with uh, our normal lives, doesn't seem to work with what we're doing, and yet it's every, if we go on that adventure, then our lives are fulfilled then there's nowhere else that we will uh, just receive that goodness. There's nowhere else we'll receive that grace. There's nowhere else that we are meant to be but on that adventure with him. Uh, and I'm going to talk about inconvenience this morning. Um, but I'm going to start by talking about waiting. You know, we're all waiting for something. I, I think everyone in this room is waiting for something. Some people will have something spiritual that they're waiting for, some, some big breakthrough. Some people may just be waiting for their dinner. Some people may be waiting for me to finish so they can have a coffee. Some people are waiting for healing. Some people are waiting, um, just waiting to see people saved, waiting to see friends that they've prayed for for years and years and years saved. We're all waiting for something. You know, I was going to go around and ask, but uh, we don't have time, unfortunately. But I, want, I just want you to take a moment right now and just think of something you're waiting for. It can be spiritual, it can be your dinner. But we're all waiting for something. You know, even cre- creation is waiting. It says in Romans eight nineteen, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. We're going to read quickly about a man that waited for Jesus. It's the story of Zacchaeus. It's in Luke 19, if you want to turn there. I feel really far forward. I'm going to shuffle back, actually. Sorry, Matt. I feel like my wife's looking at me from behind. <laughs> Thanks, love. Okay, Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place... He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. 
For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus was waiting for Jesus. You know, we uh, as a family, we have a story of waiting. Um, Most of you know the story, so I'm not going to go into it in detail. But for those of you that don't, eight years ago we had our beautiful daughter, Phoebe. And then, since then, went on a journey where we couldn't have uh, another child. But felt God was saying, you're going to have more kids. And we'd had words, and people had seen visions. Nathan saw a vision of us with our kids on our shoulders. And, you know, when someone sees something like that, you just hold on to it. And we went on this journey, and we were waiting and waiting for the promises of God to come true something that I'm sure many of us are familiar with. And then last March, we found out Ruth was pregnant. And in December, Josiah, who's over there, um, was born. But in those last nine months, our waiting changed. It went from a waiting of, God, when's this promise going to happen, to preparing and uh, you know, sorting things out, adjusting our lives. And it got to December, and uh, we were waiting eagerly for the day. And uh, everyone said to us, oh, it's the second child, he'll come early. And uh, Phoebe, was, um, Phoebe was four days late. So like a week out before his due date, I stopped going away with work and that sort of thing. People said I was crazy going away. Two weeks before, I said, oh, I might come. And ten days later, he's still not here. <laughs> and I find myself in my car, driving back. I've just dropped Phoebe off at... Um, all right, mate. I find I've just dropped Phoebe off in a, a, her dance and drama class, and I find myself praying because we know that the further on it goes, the more likely they're having to be induced and all that sort of thing, and, and possible complications. I say, God, I don't want any of that. That's not what I want, God. In fact, if he came today, today's a Saturday, and he. Phoebe could go to the frost, and then they could just take her to church. There's no school to deal with. And, and Lord God, it would be so convenient. <laughs> and God at that point says, I'm the God of the inconvenient. <laughs> and I believe that's the word for us. He's the God of the inconvenient. His gospel is inconvenient. You know, Zacchaeus, all he wants to do is see Jesus he positions himself high up, doesn't he? He gets up a tree. He's, he's small in stature, but he gets up a tree. He positions himself high up, and he waits for Jesus. And when Jesus turns up, he does so much more than just see him. Jesus meets with him personally. Yeah, Jesus is all about personal meetings. He doesn't just want to pass you by. He wants to meet with you personally. But he does more than that. Jesus says, I want to come to your house. Now, I don't imagine Zacchaeus woke up that morning thinking, I'll go and see Jesus in this massive crowd. He's going to pick me. He's going to come to my house. I'm going to go out and buy a big meal. I'm going to clean my house perfectly. I imagine, actually, he ran out of the house. Things thrown everywhere. The house was untidy. He ran out. Maybe there's no food in the house. I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And so when Jesus says, I want to come to your house... I imagine that's quite an inconvenient thing. Because not only was it Jesus, but it was Jesus' followers as well. Can you imagine if Jesus walked in there now and said, I want to come to your house, I want to bring a load of friends, what would be your response? Would you be ready, 
How much food is in your house? Is your house tidy? What about what you're doing with the kids this afternoon? You know, how many times have we positioned ourselves? How many times have we gone high in worship? We talk about going high in worship. How many times have we positioned ourselves, gone high in worship to see Jesus, and yet when he turns up, we somehow expect our response to fit in with our normal lives, with our normal plans, with our routine. You know, I find it interesting that Zacchaeus first sees Jesus from the high place, but that the main interaction is on the ground. He says, Jesus says, come down, I want to talk to you. He comes to him in his normal, in normal life. He comes and meets him in that normal place. He doesn't shout to him from the tree. All the pictures you see in the kids' things, don't they? They have Jesus, Zacchaeus kind of hanging out of a tree and Jesus shouting at him. No, Jesus comes and says, come down. And he says, I want to meet with you. I want to come and spend time with you. And Zacchaeus' answer, come to my house. You know, I want to be like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who responds by welcoming Jesus and his followers in gladly. And when he is challenged by those around him, his response is not to retreat, but it is to lay down even more. You know, when people said, why is he with him? Zacchaeus says, I'm going to lay down all this lot. He says, this is about me and Jesus, and I'm just going to lay down even more before him. Jesus' response, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus welcomes Zacchaeus into the family. And that's our first point. God is looking for an inconvenient family. Now I'm not going to spend, I'm going to kind of gloss over family. We've spent a lot of time. I encourage you to go back and listen to the words that have come on family recently. But, um, you know, most uh, natural families experience quite a high level of inconvenience um, it comes in different ways for Ruth and I at the moment. It shows itself in a lack of time to ourselves. We used to be able to put Phoebe down and enjoy our evenings. <laughs> that does not happen anymore. Josiah wants feeding from five until midnight and then more and more and more. And literally you put him down and then ten minutes later, more food, more food, more food. You know, that's, that's just our lives at the moment and it's great and we love it, but... <laughs> it's quite inconvenient. It manifests itself in a lack of sleep and it manifests itself in a lack of lions on a Saturday morning. Phoebe recently decided to do, well, she didn't decide, we encouraged her. Ruth encouraged her, I can blame her, she's not in the room now. Um, to, to do some drama exams. And that now involves nine o'clock in New, being at Newsome High School for nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. The Saturday morning lion has gone. <laughs> And, uh, you know, whilst I wouldn't say it fills me with excitement to know that I won't get a full night's sleep, I will gladly lose sleep for my family. You know, sitting up with Josiah, I sat up with him at 3.30 this morning, and I just looked at him and just cried. Because I was like, this, this is the promises of God in my life. This is what God's doing in my life. This guy is going to go on and do amazing things. 
You know, I will gladly take Phoebe to her dance and drama lessons so that she can be the best she can be. If we are to be a true family, then we must be prepared to be inconvenienced by each other, prepared to lay down things for each other, time, etc., effort, energy, finance. You know, this is what we see in Acts, the beginning of Acts. This is what we see the church doing, laying things down for each other. It may mean rearranging our plans and our lives, but God will use it to change and shape us as individuals and as, and as a family. We allow ourselves to be inconvenienced so our family can be the best it can be. And, we're, and a family of inconvenience aren't afraid to inconvenience each other. There's people in this room that we've inconvenienced over the last few years and over the last few months. People who've cooked for us, invited us into their homes at the last minute. People who've answered the phone late at night. People who've sat and cried with us. People who've been to the very depths of us in our pain and our hurting, but people that have rejoiced with us. Because they have allowed their lives to be inconvenienced by the pain, they now rejoice with us in our season of breakthrough. You know, there is incredible power when we are inconveniently invested in each other's lives. When we long for breakthrough, when we own things, and when we want to pray and intercede together. An inconvenient family does inconvenient prayer. And that's our second point. You know, Nathan talked a few weeks ago about praying hard, and I was so blessed when he brought this word because this has been on my heart for a while as well. You know, in order to see breakthrough, Trev mentioned it last week. When we pray, we need to allow ourselves to become invested in the things we're praying for. We need to allow ourselves to become pregnant with the things we're praying for. We need to invest something of ourselves into it. And that's inconvenient because I've got to find out things and I've got to know about things and I've got to ask people about things and I've got to find out what really matters to people. We allow ourselves to be broken by the things that break God's heart, whether that's for the world as a whole, a particular issue, or an individual. And sometimes it can feel like, well, I've got enough going on in my own life. How can I take any more on? But Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus will never put stuff on you that will weigh you down and put you into despair. But he, can take, he puts things on you that enable you to reach for more of him. They enable you to reach for more of his glory. They enable you to reach for more of his breakthrough. They enable you to reach for more of what he has for a situation. They enable you to reach for more miracle. You know, when we join together in prayer, it's so much more than just a wish list. It's a partnering with God and with each other that says, Thy kingdom come. What of heaven will I see on earth today? What of his glory do I long to see manifest itself in my neighborhoods? It requires us to give something of ourselves. You know, God's been speaking to me about fasting 
uh, towards the end of last year, God started speaking to me about fasting, and I believe it's a word for us as a church as well. Jesus says, when you fast. If he's calling us to it, then there's value in it. And fasting's pretty inconvenient, and it's inconvenient for me, and it's inconvenient for those around me. I love food. Anyone who's known me for years knows I love food. And even on Christmas Day, when my son is in my arms, I love food so much that I perfected eating an entire Christmas dinner with one hand. Yes. Michael was witness to that. (laughs) But when I fast, I'm hungry. And not just that, I get hangry. And I also, turns out I can't join in some games. Me and... uh, Nathan fasted, uh, it was Halloween, wasn't it, around? And we, took, we both happened to take our kids to this light party in, uh, up in Oaks. And they had a load of games to do with food. And, Daddy, and uh, Phoebe was like, Daddy, help me guess what crisp it is. Why don't you play that game? Why you? And I had to explain that Daddy can't play any games because he's fasting. <laughs> but, you know, when I fast, I experience more of the grace of God. And I've prayed like I've never prayed before. I've, I've experienced some amazing times in his presence. On that, that night, Ruth went out to, I think it was musicians, and I, I made a decision. I said, I'm not just going to turn the telly on, but I'm going to worship and I'm going to pray. And I found myself in my lounge on the floor weeping because I laid myself before God. You know, I want to challenge us. There's power when we fast together. I've taken to, there's a few guys that uh, were in a WhatsApp group, and I've taken to texting them when I'm, when I'm going to fast. And uh, sometimes they say, yeah, I'm going to fast for you. Sometimes they don't. That's, that's cool. That's their decision. But when I know someone's fasting with me, there's power in it. I'm more convicted in my spirit. I'm more stirred in my spirit. I know that there's purpose to it. I'm more encouraged in it. You know, I want to challenge us as a church to fast. And uh, this hasn't come from any leadership team. They, they, they don't know I'm saying this until now. But we meet for prayer rooms every month. Why don't we fast this day we have prayer rooms? You know, give of yourself. However, it's up to you how you do that. You go away, you talk, spend time with God, and, and you know, maybe it's a meal, maybe it's a whole day. That's between you and God. But why don't we fast on those days? Because I believe there's power in it. And then I want to encourage you to get down here and pray. Because there's power in praying together. You know, it's not all about meetings, I get that. And I've had some, as I've said, I've had some incredibly powerful times on my own. And Nathan talked about a culture, and it's important we don't mistake meetings for culture. But the culture means that our desire to pray together comes out of a culture that says there is huge value to prayer and there's huge value in praying and seeking and hearing God together. If we are believing God's word when he calls us out for prayer, then I believe our response should be to pray together. And we have to believe that God will move as a result of our prayers because he's called us to pray. You know, when Solomon dedicated the table, uh, table, temple 
In 2 Chronicles 7.14, he said, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I believe that's for us as a church. His ears are attentive to the prayers offered in this place. He's called us to be a house of prayer for a purpose, and we have to respond even if it's inconvenient to us. I, um, I was making some mashed potato a while ago, and I got a bit excited with the peeler, <laughs> and I peeled my nail. And I'm not going to go into it because I'll be the first one that will faint telling you the story. <laughs> And I started, you know, I started freaking out. What if it gets infected? But actually, the most annoying thing was once it had healed, I had a little bit of nail that caught on everything. I put a glove on, it caught on it. I was changing just how I was nappy, it caught on it. I got into bed, it caught on the sheet. It was just really irritating. But it was there the whole time, and it kept snagging. You know, I believe God wants to constantly provoke us to pray for things. As we're walking down the street, God's going to, provoke god's gonna snag we're gonna see something and it'll be like your spirit just snags and says pray for that we're gonna talk to someone and your spirit's gonna snag and to talk to them pray for them you know an inconvenient family the no inconvenient prayer are on an inconvenient mission that's our third point inconvenient mission you know traditional evangelism it's convenient, I think. And there's a place and a time for it. But handing out flyers to an event and asking people to come to us is convenient, isn't it? We could put something on in here, and, and as I said, there's a time and a place for it. But we could put something on in here that's easy to do. We've got a good band. We can you know, do various things, put tea and coffee on, hand out flyers. To people we don't know and expect them to come to us. It's convenient. But inconvenient mission goes to where the people are and finds out what they need. Jesus came to the broken and the hurting. This takes time. And that's not very convenient. But by allowing others to inconvenience us, we show them the love of Christ. Yeah, numerous times throughout the Gospels, people stopped Jesus as he was walking along. And the disciples often didn't get it. The disciples often said, oh, we're too busy. he's too busy, or he's got to go to this place, or he's got to go to that place. But Jesus allowed his plans to change. What may seem inconvenient to you is actually a moment of transformation for someone else. God is going to bring more and more people across our paths that need our time, need our investment, need us to be, to be present with them and just to love them. You know, Jesus came to the sinners. Like Zacchaeus, he says, I came, came to the sinners. You know, God's going to transform the lives of people that we wouldn't normally spend time with. The people that are a little bit inconvenient, people who maybe don't like the same things as us, people who maybe behave in a different way than us people whose thoughts are different to us, people whose background are different to us. You know, this may not fit into how we see our family, but we need to adjust. And 
we and God will call us to adjust some things in our lives. But I believe as God adds to us, we will experience a richness of his grace like never before. He's a God of mercy. We've heard that last two weeks. Go back and listen. He's a God of mercy. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it requires us to go. It says, go into all the world. Going involves stepping out. I don't know if you've ever tried to go without moving. It doesn't work. You can't go anywhere without stepping out. But you know, this is different for everyone. For some, God is going to call us to knock on our neighbor's door or to pick up the phone. I believe there's broken relationships that God is going to call us, call people to pick up the phone and go after a relationship that's been broken. For others, God is calling you to another country, Phil and Jen. But I believe there's at least one other person here. I felt this in my spirit as I was preparing. There's one person here who feels called to go somewhere, but you can't work out how that would fit into your normal lives. It feels too inconvenient. God says now's the time. God is going to remind some people of places he told them to go that they haven't been. And this can feel really inconvenient because, oh, I I said no last time or I didn't do it last time. But you know, God doesn't judge you for not going there. He's got, there's grace. Today is a new day and he wants to send you to that place. But I believe for many of us that there is a new thing coming. And for some, this will require quite an adjustment. There are people who have faithfully pursued God's calling for years And there is a new thing coming for you that will take you to the next level. But it will require you to lay down some of what you're already doing. You know, Phil and Jen. Phil's been serving people with amazing electrical installations for years. (laughs) Jen's been working in the hospital, looking after people, ministering to people. Both of them ministering to people in their places of work. But God's called them to a new place. Their calling's not changed. God's still still saying, this is what I want you to go after. But he's shifted it. He's moved it from, from Huddersfield to the Philippines. But it requires them to lay down something of who they are. It requires them to lay down their time, their money. It requires them to lay down holidays. But I believe for more of us, God's going to do that. You know, um, back in November, I had the privilege of um, working on an event. um, The kind of event that I dreamt when I was a kid that I'd be involved in. um, Where God moved, and it was incredible. But um, I fought with God about doing it, believe it or not. (laughs) Because it was in November. And November is the time of year in my industry, where you work like an absolute nutter in order to pay for the quiet months. And um, particularly with Josiah, I am coming, I felt like I needed just work. And I was like, God, this is how you provide for me. This is how you do it. This is what you've called me to. These are the people you've called me to. And God said, I want you to do this. And I said, but that's three days of work. That's ten. 
And God said, I want you to do this. And I fought with him about it. And I, I actually went as far as saying, I'm not going to do those three days. I'm going to do the ten. And God said, but this is what you've been praying for. This is what you've been asking for for years. And I said, but God, I'm pursuing you here. I'm, this is what I'm pursuing you in. And for a few circumstances, they didn't end up, for, end up filling my role for the uh, three-day thing in Manchester. And uh, I sat before God one day and he said, you've prayed for years for something. You've prayed for years to be doing these, these events where you see my glory come, where you see people being invested in. That's what you've been praying for years. And now I've put it in front of you. Take it. And eventually, <laughs> I'm not going to say I jumped at it. Eventually, I said, okay, God. And I made the tough decision to put down a load of other work. Within 15 minutes, the diary filled around that, that. I had more work than I've had in November, ever. <laughs> and I went and did the thing that God was calling me to. You know, it's very easy to continue to do what you've been doing for years, not realising that you've got comfortable in it. But we need to trust God with what he's already given us in order to step into the new thing. Sometimes we have to lay it down and say, God, I trust you with that ministry. I trust you with those people. I trust you with those circumstances. Because now you're calling me into this thing. You know, much like a boat, the wind keeps blowing. The wind keeps directing us. But when the wind shifts slightly, you have to change tack. You have to adjust the sails. You have to um, adjust your course slightly in response to the way the wind is blowing. Yeah, Jesus is here, and he's seen you waiting. He is speaking. Will you allow yourself to be inconvenienced by him, by his inconvenient family, through inconvenient prayer, and on an inconvenient mission? Let's stand together. I'm very aware of, of time. Um, and uh, if you need to go get your kids, then go. Um, I believe there may be more words of knowledge, potentially. And I also believe that there are, there's at least one person here who's been stirred that they need to pray in response to this. I could pray in response to this, but I believe, I just want to give space if there's someone here that wants to come and pray in response to the word that I've brought. Uh, then come now. If not, I'll pray. Let's pray. Father, God forgive us when we get into our comfort zones. Forgive us when we seek you and we worship you and we come before you and yet our response to you is well, God, that doesn't fit into my life. God, we lay before you, we lay our lives before you, and we say we want to be inconvenienced by you. We want to be changed by you. We want to be transformed by you. And God, we want to see you move in this town. 
God, we lay ourselves before you. We lay our lives before you. And we say, God, come. And whatever you want to do, come and do it, Jesus. Help us to be flexible in our thinking. Help us to not hold things too tightly, God. Whether that's our time, whether that's our money, whether that's our calling. God, we just, we lay it all before you, Jesus.